Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. What only God can deal with. Amen. Only God can change a man's heart. And, and Jesus came to earth to make a way for our hearts to be changed. And he transforms us into his image and his likeness. And so many times I think that we people try to do God's job. Especially for those of you that are married. None, none of you spouses have ever tried to do the Holy Spirit's work. Sure. <laughs> Everyone's pointing. Hey. Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You know, in my family, we like popcorn. Mm -hmm. Fresh like air popped popcorn with a little bit of butter, some sea salt, yep. and a Parmesan touch of Parmesan. Cheese. So good. Good for a movie night, right? <laughs> but here's the thing, man. You put too much sea salt, not good. Or if you leave out the sea salt, it's missing something. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? If there's one word in this passage from Matthew 5 that you and I need to know, it's the word influence. Can everyone say influence? Influence. So the teacher in me says that I need to go to the commentary and start defining some of the terms from what some of the scholars say that study the Greek and the Hebrew language. And in Meyer's New Testament commentary, he says the course of thought or the general idea here is, the more important and influential your destined calling is, all the less you ought to allow yourselves to be dispirited and become faithless to your calling through indignities and persecutions. You are the salt and light. So this passage we see here from Matthew chapter 5, he's essentially saying, when God has called you to do something, he's, he's actually assigned you here on the planet to be salt and to be light. And what happens is he doesn't want us to get discouraged, he doesn't want us to not be faithful to that which God has called us to do. And there's this idea with theologians that we are here in the world, when we talk about salt, to preserve the world from total moral decay. Can you imagine if all the Christians left the planet today? Think about it. If those darkness. people that represent God's light and we battle against the forces of darkness daily, sometimes in our own lives. But if we're the ones that are here shining light, what happens if all the people that represent light disappear? And how quickly will the world go into more moral decay today? We're here to counteract corruption. We're here to prevent sin from destroying people's lives. That's your mission, church. We're here to go and share the love of God with others so that sin won't destroy them like it used to destroy us. Did you catch that? Did sin do some harm in your life at some point? Yeah. Some honest ones, oh yeah. Sin does destruction, but when we come to Christ, he reverses the law of sin and death in our life and starts restoring us to wholeness. He starts restoring our life. He starts restoring us to health. At the same time, we add flavor with God-inspired living to the mundane and tasteless world around us. 
Because really this world and what it has to offer gets old really quick, doesn't it? When Christ called the disciples, he made one statement, you know, at the beginning. He said, come follow me. And then he, he followed up with, you know, things like, I'll make you fishers of men. Does anyone remember that when he was talking to Peter and Andrew? I mean, we were all there, right? It's the same call he makes to us today as Christ's followers. I'll make you fishers of men. Implied within that is we are to be influencers. We're to be influencing others. This is most fully represented in the Christian life by the character and the lifestyle that we live. Holy living, righteous living, taking on the nature and the character of Christ. That's when this is most fully represented. In fact, you do this most effectively when you practice the Beatitudes. I find it interesting. Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. This is how Christians live. And then he goes right into be salty and light. Not optional. If you want to be salt, you can be salt. And if you want to be light, you can be light. He just says you are salt and you are light. It's a part of who you are in the new creation. You will exhibit this to the world system we lived in most effectively when you practice the things that went right before it. The Beatitudes. When we start living that lifestyle, that's when we're most fully going to realize how God wants us to be effective in the culture we live in. Amen. Notice, we're not supposed to do the Holy Spirit's job and convict people of sin. Everyone catch that? Sometimes there's Christians that tend to be self-proclaimed sin pointer-outers. The sin police. And they walk around and point out everybody's sin, thinking that's going to help them come closer to Christ. Too much salt. A little bit. That's salty. That's a lot of salt. That's a lot of salt. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Influence. Can everybody say influence? Influence is a very, very powerful force. Um, I want to start by reading from John 17, verses 14 to 21. And this is Jesus speaking. In fact, this is Jesus praying to God the Father on behalf of us. And it says, I have given them your message. And that is why the unbelieving world hates them, for their allegiance is no longer to this world because I am not of this world. I am asking that, I am not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil, for they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth. I want you guys to really pay attention to that. Your word is truth. So make them holy by the truth. What's the truth? How do we get made holy more and more? By the word. Jesus goes on to say, I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And he's representing God the Father. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made Holy, there it is again, by your truth. So twice in the same prayer, Jesus refers to, to be made holy by your truth. And what is that truth again? The word. I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all of those who will one day believe me in their message. So not just for the disciples Jesus prayed for, but for all of us. Because we have heard the message of truth coming from the disciples all the way and continuing forward until now. Amen? 
I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. And I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Now we see here in this passage that I read to you and I pointed out really important that we need to recognize and make, take the time when we're reading scripture to ask the Holy Spirit to help us make connections. We need to make connections in the word of God. And that especially when you have Jesus talking, Jesus praying for us, and he says twice, your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. God, again, make them holy by your truth. So what, it's important to ask ourselves the question, so what does the word do? What does it do? Well, it's important to go to the word to find out what the word does. And if anybody is praying accurately scripture prayers, it's Jesus. He's the one who's really praying scripturally accurate prayers. His word, the Bible tells us, is alive. It's active. It's powerful. It does everything that it is sent out to do. And his word is truth. And everything is naked and exposed before the Lord. Nothing in all creation can hide from the eyes of God. Amen? So if this is the word of God, and it's the truth, and it cuts to the center and the very core of all things, the truth of all things, and God alone is the one that we are accountable to, and Jesus asked us to be in the world and not of the world. This is where we get that phrase from, is from John 17, when Jesus is talking about you are no more of this world than he is. That's a very powerful statement that Jesus made. That you are not supposed to be as representatives of him, as followers of him. You are no more of this world than Jesus was. So that being said, as Christians, influence and the power to influence is a very powerful force. And we need to understand that being, it's a very delicate balance, being salt. Too much salt, you, it's too salty. You offend people. I have one of my daughters that says to me, if I'm like in a bad mood or if I'm a little cranky, she goes, oh, mom, you're salty. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm salty. Watch it. You're going to get more salt. You keep it up. So that's not good as Christians. On the other side of it, too little salt and you have no effect and no power and you are not an agent of change and you are influencing nothing and no one. As a matter of fact, when you're sitting on the fence, what does God say? Make connections, people. What does he say when you're sitting on the fence and you're in the middle and you're doing nothing? What is God going to do? Vomit you out. Make connections in the word of God. And then, so when we're applying this to our lives, as being salt in the earth, and that we need to have that, really, that perfect balance. Like we talked about with the popcorn. If you ever do any cooking, like too much salt is like, oh, it's not very good. Not enough salt, it's not good either. But it's gotta be just right. Perfect. That right amount of salt. And there's only one place in the word of God where Jesus, again, connections, asks us to be perfect in the word of God. He demands it. He says, you must be perfect as I am perfect. 
And that is in reference in the context of our love walk with one another. Because love is what hopes all things, believes all things, bears all things. When love is sent out to do what God wants it to do, love never fails. Love is the most perfect, balanced response in every situation, depending on what you're doing. And Jesus was the most perfect reflection of that. Amen? So right now in the world, we have people that are called influencers. TikTok uses them, Facebook, Instagram, all these social media platforms use influencers. They realize the force and the power that if you give that person uh, behind them the method and being able to send them out and use their influence to spread a product, a brand, advertising, to do something with that, they realize that if they take the power of their influence and use it to push their brand and their product and get likes and followers and all of those things, that they're going to be influencing a very large portion of people, the whole world, in fact. And in this world right now, we need to be asking ourselves, what's your salt? Who is influencing you? You know, as Christians, we have to understand, like I said, there's a delicate balance. In order to be a force of change and a power to bring influence and affect change in somebody else's life, we ourselves as Christians need to be very careful because of how powerful that influence can be in our lives, we have to be careful about who we allow and give the power of influence over us. So it's very important when we're doing life with that tight-knit group of people and who we allow to speak into our lives, influence us, give them the power of persuasion over our lives that we then are able to take that, if it's done right and well, in the way that God has designed for us, are able to take that influence and bring it into how we influence and take the message of hope and the gospel to the rest of the world. Because we're supposed to be affecting change in our everyday life, wherever we go, affecting change and being someone who can influence the rest of the world. I wanna read some scripture here. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Okay, let's bring the word into this. He said, it says in the passion translation stop fooling yourselves evil companions will corrupt good morals and character come back to your right senses awaken to what is right repent from your sinful ways for some have no knowledge of God's love you should be ashamed that you make me write this way to you Proverbs 13 20 to 21 if you want to grow in wisdom spend time with the wise walk with the wicked and you'll eventually become just like them Calamity cause, chases the sin chaser, but prosperity pursues the God lover. So we can see that we have a lot of influences in this world. We have lots from social media is huge. We have the news. We've got entertainment. We've got, um, you know, Hollywood and all kinds of other things that are all these outside influences. They are the world's salt. So we need to be asking ourselves, what's our salt? And as we read before, how we are made holy is by the word of God. It's the truth. And is the truth our salt? Are we looking to the news to be influencing us right now? Are we looking to social media? Are we looking to entertainment? Are we looking to politics? Are we looking to all these things? 
when what we should be looking to is the driving influence in our lives is the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And we have to be careful that the influence of fear, that that's the driving force in our life if we're using fear to make decisions in our lives that, that should not have no place in our lives, that we're turning and we're looking to God and we're looking to his word. And yes, we wanna be wise. We wanna be in wisdom when we do these things. Um, I wanna read Proverbs 17, 27. I'm gonna read it out of the New Living Translation and I'm gonna read it out of the Passion Translation. It says, a truly wise person uses few words and a person with understanding is even tempered. So we have to also be very careful as Christians. If you're talking and telling everybody, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian and Jesus this and Jesus that, please, please let your actions line up with your words. Do you need to be perfect? No, but except in your love walk, you need to be. If you're going to tell everyone, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, then please let your actions line up with your words. It says in the Passion Translation, the same scripture. I love this. It says, can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? That, that, that's how you show that you are wise. An understanding heart keeps you cool, calm, and collected, no matter what you're facing. So as Christians, we should actually be speaking a lot less and doing a lot more because they're going to see what you're doing. They're going to watch what you're doing and make no mistake, you are being watched. There is always somebody watching you, how you're gonna respond, what you're gonna do when you're under pressure and in a situation. So we have to live and be doers of the word. Proverbs 16 and 23 from a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. We have a drama right now that we want, hope will illustrate this uh, point for you. Good morning, Salt. I'm Pepper, and I'll be conducting your interview. Well, nice to meet you, Pepper. This is a very nice restaurant you have here. Well, we take pride in our work. Wonderful. So do I. Well, that's a great start. Please, take a seat. Thank you. All right. Now, how about you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Well, what can I say? I'm the salt of the earth. Really? Wow, that's a pretty big statement. I'm a pretty big deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, what makes you a big deal? I'm a salt shaker. Period. And there are not very many of us left. Okay. Yeah, you got a salt here and there, but they're all pretty well in hiding because they're afraid to shake what their mama gave them. That's right. So they've lost their saltiness. They're good for nothing. They're sort of like the bland, leading the bland, but not me. I'm the real deal. You can write that down. Okay. You see, I was born in the Windsor salt mines and from a very young age, I knew I was created to be a salt shaker. Okay. Well, interesting. Was there ever a time that you were too salty? No, never. Okay. Salt shaking 101. Okay. Salt shaking 101. 
Oversalted food is a complete turnoff. It is so hard to swallow. And I have met a lot of aggressive salt shakers in my years. My goodness, they don't even know when to hold back the salt. It's kind of overbearing, you know? Real, real immaturity, if you ask me. But I know, I know that salt shaking is a delicate business. You see, it's a craft that I have mastered over the years. So I am never overpowering, ever. Because I strongly believe that my main role, my sole responsibility in this earth is to bring out and to influence the flavors in the dishes that I serve. Sweet! That is exactly what I needed to hear. You're hired. Fabulous! You'll see. Just a pinch of me and I will serve up your dishes just right. <laughs> when we start salting, girl. Come on, I'll follow right. you around. I'll follow you. Let's do this. Thank you. Now they've got me thinking. So we're talking about salt. I must digress for a moment before I go on to this next thing here. Well, two things. One, my wife read something. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Let's take a vote. Who uses more words up here? He's very wise, though, but I don't get to speak as much as him. <laughs> this is true. I have to make up for lost time. <laughs> I had to have some fun with that one. And then, uh, Pastor Brian, I don't know if you remember this. Years ago, we were in a place, Kingston, Ontario, we were ministering in the federal penitentiaries. And uh, we went into a place called St. Hubert's Chicken. It's kind of like a Swiss chalet, I suppose. And uh, it started when uh, Gord, our bass player at the time, asked me to pass the salt. And I remember when I went to pass it to him, I thought he had it. He didn't quite have it. And it landed perfectly in a glass of water. And then it just kind of went from there because I think you started impersonating Louis from Taxi. And a spirit of laughter hit the 15 or 18 of us that were in the room. And we laughed so hard that everyone in the restaurant started laughing. People coming into the restaurant started laughing with us. The kitchen came out of the back and started laughing in the dining room. And God just sent a spirit of laughter for 15 or 20 minutes. That's being salt. It's the joy of the Lord overflowed out of our lives and it touched everyone all around us. Amen. Someone needed some joy. Do you remember that? Pretty, pretty accurate how I communicated that? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Goodness, 30 years ago. Verse 12, Jesus spoke to people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And you know, following Jesus leads to light and he is light. And if we're following him, we're going to represent light. And if we're following the true light, we're not going to walk in darkness and that will lead to eternal life. I got all that. But we as Christians in the same context, we have to retain our saltiness. Otherwise, we become ineffective in our mission. Salt that loses its flavor isn't even useful for fertilizer. They toss it. And um, some of the Jewish scholars, you know, if you're reading how in the temple, salt was always used in the sacrifice. They had a little bit of salt to the sacrifice a lot of times when they cooked it. And, but salt that lost its flavor, it got cast out. So they'd use it on a wet day. They'd throw it on the steps so they didn't slip. It was useless. 
couldn't even use it for fertile, it became garbage. And it's not to say that if we're not salty in the world, in other words, if we're not expressing flavor that God wants us to and not sharing our faith with others, it's not that we go to another place. We're still saved, we're still Christians, but we become useless in our calling. We become ineffective in our calling. And you know, I don't know about you, but for me, when I stand before the Creator on the day of reckoning, on the day of judgment, I want Him to say, well done, this was your assignment, this is what you completed. You see, our rewards in heaven aren't for the things we do in the name of God, they're for the things that He assigned us to do that we completed. I think it's really important that we understand that because our mission is to share the love of God with others. There's no option here. He doesn't say, be salt if you want to. Be light if you feel like it. He says you are salt and light. There was a lady named Anne Frank, young girl actually, that kept a diary during the war, World War II. But she said, look how a single candle can both defy and define the darkness. And I can imagine she was in hiding behind a fake wall in a house, you know, and before she was eventually captured and killed. But light defies the darkness everywhere it goes. All the darkness in the world can't put out the light from one candle. That's right. Mm-hmm. Automatically, light dispels darkness. The light in your life should not be snuffed out easily because all the darkness in the world can't put out the light inside of you. Read the stories of the martyrs. Go back through the generations. And the more they persecuted the church, the brighter their light shined. Even when people were being burned alive, they still let their light shine. Even when Stephen was being stoned, it said he transformed and he looked as if he was an angel. The glory of God was revealed. I think he started translating in the next realm while they were stoning him. You see, the glory of God is going to be most fully revealed. Then, defining the darkness. Let me ask you, does darkness define you and how you live, or do you define to the darkness how your light's going to shine? Does darkness put you in a box when you go out in the culture, or do you just let your light shine? Are you seasoning the world around you, or are they telling you how to live? That's right. I don't think I've shared this up here yet. Years ago when I was in Dallas, there was a, a young man that came into my shift at the bank, and he was, um, let's just say, foul-mouthed, for lack of a better way of putting it. <laughs> and... Uh, working at the bank, there was mostly women in our department, and a lot of them were getting quite irritated with him, and I heard them talking about filing a complaint against him for harassment because of some of his comments. He was a big guy. Did I mention that? He was a very, very big, muscular guy coming out of the hood. I think he was a Dallas Crypt, and he um, was going to have a baby, and he wanted to kind of get his life right because his girlfriend said, if you want to see this baby, you better go get a real job and stop running with the boys anyways. And I remember there wasn't very many men in our department, and the men's room was way on the other side. And one day, he was coming in, and I was going out of the restroom. I said, hey, I've been meaning to talk to you. And I looked up at this very large man. And I said, you know, everything coming out of your mouth is filthy. And you really need to guard that because you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble here. And I know you're trying to clean up your life. And I just explained to him that he needs to clean up his speech. 
And when I thought by his demeanor and look at me that he was going to pound me, <laughs> he just went, okay, thank you. And then he totally transformed. He totally changed the way he was speaking with everybody. I don't know how we're, I had all the women, thank you for talking. I don't know how they knew I talked to him. Nobody was within 100 meters of us. But see, you have to define what it looks like. You have to be okay to have those conversations with people when they cross lines they shouldn't cross. And when they say things they shouldn't say, and when they do things they shouldn't do. If you don't take a stand for what's right, who's going to? You know, I find it amazing how many atheists who say they don't believe in God decide they want to curse in his name. So I usually start, as a joke, I start using their name when I drop something on my foot. And they look at me, why are you doing that? Well, you're cursing in the name of my Lord, my friend, <laughs> the one you don't even believe in, remember? And that usually gets them to stop cursing in God's name when I'm around. Because their heart betrays their head. Think about that. They curse in the name of the God they don't even believe in. Funniest thing. But see, if people bring up topics that are uncomfortable in the culture, are you okay to engage in pleasant conversation? Or do you just back down because you don't want to go there? Are we salt? Are we light? Or do we let darkness define how we're supposed to live? Because most of the time in the culture today, what they tell you is you want to be a Christian, that's fine. You be a Christian at home. You don't tell people you're a Christian and you don't let your light shine. And how dare you say that you're a Christian in a public forum? How dare you? How dare you let your light shine? Isn't that what the culture tells us today? You can be a Christian, you just be a Christian privately. You can't live a public Christian life. Oh my goodness. That's not what my Bible says. That's actually not what our Constitution says. So someone needs to get their facts straight, but if you're going to live the life, you need to live the life. We either let our light shine or we don't. Amen. Better let you talk. Go ahead. You were doing really good. I was enjoying that. <laughs> if there is a chapter, a book um, about influence in the Word of God and the power of influence is in the book of Daniel. And it's really amazing in the first chapter. I want to bring out some things to you about the power of influence. Because really the truth is, is influence has even more power than the person who has the power to make the decision. Because if God gives you a voice of influence and positions you in the right place, you are the one that he puts there to influence those that are in power and you affect change. And how you handle yourself in those positions of influence will determine when God sets you in the place of power to affect the change. Amen? So let's read Daniel. It says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted in knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. 
The king assigned them to a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed these men with Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. So I want to stop here, and I want to point out that these men had no choice in the situation that they were in, being brought into captivity in Babylon. They were forced to learn the language and the literature. Here they were trained in the ways of Babylon. They were in it, but they weren't of it. You have a choice whether to be. You have to choose to be of it. You can just be in it. So I want to point out to you here that... Daniel, it says here, we're going to go on, was determined. Everybody say determined. Not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So he was determined not to defile himself. How did he not defile himself? By the truth of the word of God. God's word, God's truth. He asked Everybody say he asked. The chief of staff permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But God, but God was the one who gave Daniel because he had determined not to defile himself the influence with the chief of staff. Affection and respect God granted him with the chief of staff. Daniel went and entreated his authority. I cannot emphasize to you more that when you are in a position and God gives you a position of influence on how you approach the person in power making the decision, that you entreat them with all humility, And that he asked. Humility is the key. And it's those people who are put in influential places to affect change. And be put in a position that are going to help the people that are surrounding them. And the leaders who are making those choices. They are held in high regard and high esteem. And what you say, if it's balanced with good judgment, even tempered, as Jesus tells us that you'll be put in a position of power. It goes on to say that Daniel says, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of dreams. Again, we see here, as they served, they were respectful. They determined not to be of Babylon, but they had to be in it and they didn't have a choice. And in our lives, we have to be determined that we are in this world. We have to be in it, but we don't have to be of it. 
and that we make choices that are going to be helpful and that we're not compromising in what we stand up for in the way that's right. And that when we do that, look how God makes the way for them and opens up the doors for them and shows up and brings glory to his name. And they made room actually for God to be who he is. Because ultimately as Christians, it's not supposed to be about us. It's not supposed to be the attention that's on us. It's actually supposed to be, are we making way? Are we making room for God to be God and do what only God can do? And show, let God show who he is. So I want to also go down and I want to pray um, in Jeremiah. I want to point out, I want to go to Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 to 7 and 10 to 11. And we've read a lot of these verses, but this is Jeremiah prophesying over Israel about all of their captivity and what's going to happen. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry, have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. So we see here we're going to bring, that was in back in Babylon. We're going to bring that into right now and where we are right now in our time on planet earth. Jeremiah prophesied over the Israelites in that day the captivity that they would endure. So Jesus is saying to us, you are here. I'm sending you out as my representative. I've commissioned you to go and be an ambassador of Christ. But don't worry, I haven't left you alone. I'm the one that is making the way for you. I'm the one that's paid the sacrifice. I'm the one that's overcome the world. He says, don't despair. So, but we still have to go about sharing the message of hope. And how do we do that? In the world, but not being of it. Well, he says right here. Build a home, plant a garden, eat the fruit of the garden, get married, have children, have grandchildren. But most importantly, God reminds them, don't dwindle away. As Christians, what are we supposed to be about doing? Multiplying the kingdom of God. We are not supposed to be dwindling away. In the world that we are in, not of it, but we're in it, that we are supposed to be the ones who are going out and influencing it, drawing everybody in towards the kingdom of God so that we multiply and build the population of heaven. It goes on to say, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it for its welfare will determine your welfare. You are here. You are here in Windsor. You are here in Canada. We need to be praying and lifting up our city and our nation and pray for our city and our nation, for the welfare of our city and our nation will determine our welfare. And even more closer, bring this more closer to home, do all you can to contribute where God has asked you to contribute in your community. So hint, hint, your local church, 
your local church. We cannot do what we do with just two people. We can't. I couldn't fix the microphone this afternoon, this morning. I needed our sound guys. I needed our tech team. I can't live stream everything and be two places at once. We need people. We need help. We need those who are willing to serve and come alongside and give their gift to God and allow God to work in and through them to share it with the body. Thank we God need neither of us are singing. <laughs> yes, that's true too. <laughs> well, I don't know. I can carry a tune. Anyway, so what do I always say? God does everything through? It's all connected. God does everything through relationships. In our local church, our success is direct, directly connected to your welfare and your well-being. Amen? You here as a body, as a congregation, we are here to come alongside each other and serve each other and pray for each other for the success and welfare of our church here in this city, in our community. It says, it goes on to say, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Then I will come for you and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. And we all know this scripture, for I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. So let's bring this to where we are now. Jesus is saying to us, he doesn't tell us the exact time, but he does say, you will know the season of time. You will know the signs of the time. And God is also saying at that time, I will return as you saw me go. I have gone to prepare a place for you and I will come for you and I will bring you home. Heaven is our home church. Jesus is coming back to bring us home to do all the good things that he has promised for us. All of them. Not one will be left undone. So Jesus is coming back to give us that eternal hope, to give us the eternal future. He tells us that he's gone to prepare a place for us and bring us home. So here where we are right now, it's important that we allow God to work in us and through us, allowing him to work and wield that force of influence for his good. Because it's the influence that he gives us that is the that will affect the change in our community. And to the depth of humility that you serve in that office is the greater that God promotes you in your influence. Because to the depth that you work and you uh, let God work in you, the gift that he's given you, and if it's humility that's at the very heart of it, you will go higher and higher in serving the Lord. And greater will be the works and the fruit and the manifestation of his anointing over your life when you are serving with all humility as we go before him. Because it's him working in you and through you to reflect his glory and be his ambassador in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up with me, please. So as we're going to the table with the Lord's Supper to celebrate communion, there's a couple things I just want to talk about briefly. Number one, next week at the 9 o'clock service, can everyone say 9 o'clock? We're going to be doing a call to water baptism and we're going to be baptizing people. Okay? 
So please don't come up to me after 11 and say I came for baptism. You have to wait till we can do it again. There's a lot of protocols, so we're doing it at 9 o'clock <laughs> service. Um, so if you're thinking you need to be baptized or you haven't been baptized as an adult, um, I would encourage you, come out at that time. Um, if you've never given your life to Christ and you need to, please see me right after the service. And then as I was praying on this, God showed me, he said, there's some people that are listening to the message today and they're like, yes, God, I want to go share the love of God. I want to share the light with others. And then he, he, he said, there's some that feel that they're unqualified. Their mess is too big and they're not able to share the love of God with others. Or maybe within that context, you don't feel like you know enough. Real simple, Jesus came to earth, Jesus died for your sin. You repent of sin, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you get salvation. You turn your life around, you gain eternal life. You can all tell people that that's very easy. And see, there's others, and it concerns me when they call themselves Christians because they just don't care. They have no love for the lost, no concern about sharing faith with others. And one of the natural byproducts of salvation when you give your life to Christ is he puts a love in your heart for others and a desire that you can take the message of hope and share it with others. And if you find yourself in that situation today, I'll challenge you, examine your heart, because you might have mentally assented to the gospel, but I'm guessing it hasn't taken root inside of your heart. So Father, I pray today that all of us can come together in your name and follow Jesus. And as we take on your nature and as we take on your character and as we do the things that Jesus did in obedience, Father, I thank you for the love you've placed in our heart for others and help us to find ways to share light, to share love, to season the world around us. Help us to take a stand against the darkness. Help us to live for what is right because truly you have made us the salt of the earth. So today, Lord, mind and body, we claim healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, today as we receive your cup, we thank you for the truth of your word, the truth of your word that makes us holy. And Father, all things in all creation are naked and exposed before you. Nothing and no one can hide from you, O Lord. But I thank you, Father, that as a community, as a congregation coming together and anyone within the sound of my voice, that they would surrender their heart to a loving God who desires to lavish great love upon them, to change them, to take away all pain and sorrow and suffering and rejection and fear. Lord God, I thank you that you are here by the power of your spirit searching every heart and that we with open hearts would allow you in. I thank you, God, that by the power of your word that you help us to be just the right amount of salt that we are the ones who will go out and be the ones who affect the change. Be 
the ones who influence the world around us, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that as we are obedient to go forth and do that, God, that you are the one who positions us in those places. Give us a voice to speak your word in all humility, God, to be a light and that we don't hide our light under a basket. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, today, we want to continue our worship to the Lord by receiving our tithes and our offerings. So I would like to also pray for our tithes and offerings this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are faithful and you are the one who preserves your people. You preserve your children and you keep us. Your word says that I never leave my righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Father God, your word says that we are to test you in these things, that you would not open up a floodgate of heaven and pour out blessing, Lord, that we cannot contain. I thank you, Lord, that as we are obedient to give with a cheerful heart, to give in faith, to give with expectation, Lord God, that you provide for every need here, that you provide for every need lifted up to you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that we sow in faith, believing you, that what has left our hand has not left our life, and it goes out and it accomplishes everything that it is sent out to do by the power of your word, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that as we go forth today in our week ahead, you bless us. Bless us as we go and endeavor to be salt in the world around us, that we endeavor to be a voice of hope and a voice of change, that we can, with your strength, stand up and make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next time.